Listen, Dad, are mobile suits more important to you than human beings? <sighs> it almost looks like this mobile suit is shaking in terror. It's a mobile suit! Amaro, is that you inside that mobile suit? Let's just see. Let's test the reaction time of your brand new mobile suit. You alone are responsible for the mobile suit now. Is that understood? These are the days when you wish your bed was already made. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Wish it was Sunday. That's Matt. Tomorrow Ray. I don't have to run days. It's just another mobile suit. Monday. Amaro Ray Mobile suit In war, to keep the upper hand, you have to think two or three moves ahead of the enemy Hey guys, welcome back to another mobile-rific episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be one of your hosts tonight. And joining me tonight are two, count them, two of my fellow White Base crew. Why don't you guys give a shout out and let everybody know who's here tonight. Hey, it's Mike and me and Justin are just going to hang back and let you handle this podcast. We're sure you can handle it. Yeah, you've been holding us back for years and not letting us like take naps and stuff, Derek. <laughs> As I as jealous, I, holding us back. As, as I as I twirl my my hair curl and and totally, just like okay, cool guys. Like yeah, now when you explain it that way, I totally know it's cool that yeah. So in case you guys haven't figured it out, we are continuing our index coverage of the original Mobile Suit Gundam. We are on episode nine. Episode nine is titled Fly Gundam. And the original Japanese air date was June 2nd, 1979. And for those of you keeping track, the English air date on Cartoon Network was August 2nd, 2001. And of course, as per usual, we have the same intro that's setting up the show in the One Year War. And we've got the title card that says Fly Gundam. And we open on some stray dogs howling in the wreckage of a war-torn Earth. And then panning up to the sky, we see the white base high among the clouds. Frau Bo, along with Haro, is telling the crew that it's lunchtime. And when she goes to Amaro's quarters, she finds him kind of restless and depressed. And all these battles have taken their toll on Amaro. He's kind of fatigued, and he finds himself unable to sleep. He's biting his nails, and of course he's paranoia positive that the white base crew is being used as decoys, distractions by the Federation. I was also trying to look at the, the movie dub, which I thought was kind of funny, because in, in the, the standard dub, I think Frau Bo is kind of asking Amuro what's wrong, and you know, that, that you know, they've got to fight the good fight and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's kind of funny because I think in the movie dub there's lines where she's talking about how if he doesn't fight the Zeon forces, that they'll be doomed to slavery forever. So I thought that was kind of extreme or extravagant or I don't know what I thought, but it just it just seemed like another one of those funny, funny off-color lines in the 
in the movie dub translation or whatever. I didn't ask for this war, and I don't want to be a part of it anymore, Frau. None of us want war, but we're all involved in it whether we want it or not. We must protect the Federation from being overthrown by the rebel forces, or we'll find ourselves doomed to slavery forever. Amuro, please, tell me what you're thinking. We're nothing more than sacrificial lambs. The Federal forces are using us. I don't understand. I thought it was, just to interrupt, I thought it was neat that the title of this episode is also the title of the theme song of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah that is cool. Meanwhile, on the bridge, Sela gets new orders from a radio transmission, and Bright and Lieutenant Reed are both chagrined to find that their new orders are to break through enemy lines as soon as possible and make it to the open sea, and possibly justifying Amaro's paranoia, the Federation doesn't really offer any help or assistance to the White Base in fulfilling their new mission goals. Reed is warning that they're low on ammo, and that conceivably they could just abandon the White Base. I think also when I was trying to pay attention to differences in the movie version, in the movie dub, like, Sela kind of gets all huffy in the movie dub. You know how, like, the, the teletype comes out? It's kind of like, I, it, it's funny because I don't know if this will make any sense, but we were talking about in Gundam Thunderbolt how, you know, you expected them not to have cell phones in the Universal Century. So here's, like, sort of an example of, you know, if this was really high tech, maybe it'd just be... A computer printout on a USB stick or whatever, you know, but in, in this case, it's actually like this teletype where it's actually printing the orders on a piece of paper that Bright snatches away from Sela. And it seems like in the movie dub, she's kind of like, well, really, you know, like, well, fine, like, just take it away from me or whatever. <laughs> you will, you know what happened, like, much like the Enterprise B, they left the colony, like, before, like, you know, before Tuesday, when they were supposed to get all their cell phones and their fancy stuff. Right, right, yes, yes, that's what it is. Go ahead, Jabro. Defense Force M4, initialized decryption circuit, alpha gain. Welco, Jabro, and out. <laughs> Sorry, sir. They're joking. We... <gasps> it says that white base is to break through enemy lines immediately and escape to the open sea. That's all it says here. They're not offering to give us any assistance? Can't we even talk to them at HQ about this order? No, even code transmissions are risky, so radio communication isn't an option. What in the world could headquarters be thinking? They have no idea what happens in battle. Tractor beam? We don't have a tractor beam. We left space dock without a tractor beam. It won't be installed until Tuesday. How big is your medical staff? The medical staff? It doesn't arrive till Tuesday. Who would they be, Taylor? Load torpedo base. Prepare to fire. My command. Captain, we don't have any torpedoes. Don't tell me. Tuesday. Uh, let me guess. We're getting the 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 iPhones on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> We're stuck with the printers from the early '80s. <laughs> you'll you'll use your dot matrix printer and like it, Amaro. <laughs> Amro's like, I don't want to fly the Gundam. They got all these dumb dot matrix printers. It's got three, three colors. Guys. Three. <laughs> Basically, at this point, Fralbo goes to see the ship's cook, and we are introduced to a new character, Tamura, who is the ship's cook. And we find that Kai is accusing him of taking extra rations for himself 
pointing to his somewhat plump body as healthy and that he looks well fed. And Tamura tells Kai that's total baloney as he doesn't have any time to eat since he's busy spending most of his time cooking for the white face crew. The real reason that Kai's all butthurt is that Ryu and Amuro as pilots are allotted in larger meal portions than the other crew. Kika, Let's, and Cats stop by to grab some fresh tomatoes. Frau Bo stifles Kai's mouth by telling him to take his complaints up with Bright Lieutenant Reed. As Amuro grumpily walks down the mess hall, his spirits are brightened when Kika shares a tomato with him. Amuro apologizes to Frau Bo as he enters the mess hall. Amuro then sees a purple-haired old man swipe some extra food off a little green-haired kid's plate. Amuro decides to share his larger pilot's portion with the kid and his elderly grandmother. Frau Bo, of course, goes back to nagging Amuro that he needs to eat too, but Amuro snipes back at her, Well then don't make me eat out here! and leaves. So, he's all grumpy pants about that, which I guess makes sense. I mean, you'd, you'd kind of be mad. I, I, I think in, in this case, this is... A lot of the Tamino kind of characteristics are coming through, I think, in this episode where they've got the sort of paranoia, the distrust of maybe older folks, you know, like kind of like this old guy who's like trying to sneak shit from like a little kid's plate and stuff where, you know, I don't know. And I, I know he's really not supposed to have purple hair and green hair, but it, it I guess it's supposed to be their their version of gray hair and, and jet black hair, but it's just the way it's colored. It's kind of funny that. They've got, like, purple and green hair. I don't know. Those, the, those old people are, like, awful people. Like, I'm glad most <laughs> that, that, of them that's got what I mean. off, I mean, like, like, seen... la- like, yeah. It's like, man, you could have gotten off in the middle of nowhere, like, with the rest of them last episode. But then again, I guess, I guess the people who stayed on got a better deal because they got, like, a ride somewhere at the end of this episode. Yeah, that's true. I, I think this one time I was on Kai's side where... Where he was accusing the the cook of like maybe sneaking a little for himself. I was like, I was thinking the same thing before you thought. I was like, dude, you're huge. <laughs> you know, it's you like you're, you're like the guy who like you know before you start working at McDonald's, you're like you know 120 pounds, and then like six months later, you're like 240 or something. Like <laughs> you, you've been sneaking a chicken nugget here and there, and it's that much. <laughs> Here, here and there, right? A couple Happy Meals a day. Never hurt anybody, right? It, if they're called Happy Meals, why do I feel so sad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, See, now I think of Ronald McDonald, like, working in the white base kitchen or something. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, guys, put on a smile. I don't want to. I'm killing people. Uh, Grimace is and- like hold up in his, his quarters under the covers it's like hamburglar stealing food like it's like Kai dresses up as the hamburger he's like he's like I want more rations <laughs> I want more hamburgers Bright's like he gets on the comm he's like attention white face like personnel apprehend the hamburglar <laughs> Also, the uh, ice cream machine is broken. <laughs> Mr. Tamura, the meal's for the elderly are... We can't prove it, but that doesn't mean you're not guilty, so don't act innocent. That's baloney! Think I have time to eat better when I'm busy cooking so much? But you have to admit you are looking well-fed. 
are you? So Bright decides to send Amuro out on patrol and he tells him to report to the bridge as Amuro sadly stares at his tomato. Amuro ignores Bright and eats his tomato. Yeah, that's showing Bright. He tells Bright he's sick of being sent out and turns off the comm. Ryu advises Bright that this is Amuro's exhaustion speaking and that he and Hayato will go out on the patrol since they tend to rely on Amuro too much. They fly out in two core fighters and begin patrolling the area. Soon they spot Garma and Char's Gao and Garma prepares to fly out himself. Char thinks this isn't such a good plan, but Garma's insistent that he prove himself to his sister, Cassilia, or Kashira, as they say in the, the movie dub. In a bit of irony, or perhaps a slap in the face, Garma thinks that Char couldn't understand because he doesn't have any family ties himself. And I was like, ooh, low blow, bro, even though he doesn't really know. Like that, like I like that that line and that scene, but I was like annoyed at like the English translation of the origin manga for that scene because, like, they translate that line as Garma saying like, "Oh, you have such troublesome like family ties, like or whatever," and I'm like, "No, no, the whole point of it is that he thinks Char's like an orphan, and yeah. you know he doesn't he, that 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 kind of makes Garma seem like he knows something about Char, like." Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, even though he has a, a you know total misunderstanding, but but you know that's that's because that doesn't fit Char's narrative of what he wants Garma to know, you know. But yeah, it, it, but it's funny though. You think like if you're undercover, you know, like it's like one of those things where it's like really, I suppose that should piss him off. But you know, he probably you know Char's probably just a cool customer and doesn't really care too much about it but i mean there is some kind of irony about one of the zobby family who had your family basically killed you know like like saying oh you don't know much about family you know it's like no duh dude you killed my mom and dad you know what is it sharp's like batman or something he's like my parents are dead my parents are dead <laughs> yeah char's all like 18 years. <laughs> Thanks for your concern, but I have to consider what my elder sister might think. Guys like you who have no family ties wouldn't understand. I don't want you to go out there. If any person alive should be able to understand my motives, it ought to be you. You know how desperately I need to prove myself to my sister. So when a alarm goes off, they, they end up detecting Hayato and Ryu out there in the core fighters, and then Garma's determined to continue to launch and take out the core fighters. Hayato's wondering why they don't just attack the Gao, and Ryu basically calls him a blockhead because he says they'd need at least four more core fighters to even attempt such a brazen assault. Char is still conferring with Garma and sees the patrol as some kind of sign that, like, White Base is vulnerable or weakened, and they follow the core fighters back to White Base, and Lieutenant Reed orders that they be converted to gun cannon and gun tank on the double. Kai has that perfect line about another day here in the coffin when he enters the gun cannon. Ryu and Hayato end up launching in the gun tank. I guess my, my main note in this is just that in the movie dub, I think 
it, it's weird the movie like plucks different pieces from different episodes so they all kind of become amalgamated into like a single battle but they they do have the moment where Garma's in his little orange jumpsuit and he sorties um but then but then there's newer animation for some of the gun cannon and gun tank launches. I did notice when the gun cannon launches, it's like he does just this like little kind of like, you know, jump off the platform. But when he and he's not holding a rifle, but when he lands, the gun cannon has a rifle. So I was like, OK, well, something there was stock animation. Yeah. Or, or they're busy launching beam rifles out left and right of the, uh, the white base. I really liked Kai's line about just another day in the coffin. Like it, it sounds so, I don't know, genuine in real world. Like, he, like I could just imagine like some, you know, uh, some old soldier from like World War Two, like telling you a story and saying that, or like maybe hearing him say that in like a documentary or something. Like that, that just kind of like rang home for me. Yeah, I mean that probably bumps this up to to more of the real robot genre than you know your kind of typical like you know excitement of getting to be in a super robot. You know, it's like this is basically he's it's tantamount to saying I'm stuck in a death trap as opposed to like woohoo I'm in a super robot yay. Another day here in the coffin. Meanwhile, like Frau Bo is trying to convince Amuro to to leave in the Gundam. And Amuro basically is telling her he's tired, he's scared, he needs a break, and he really just wants to be left alone. When Bright hears that Amuro doesn't feel like fighting, he bursts into his quarters. Amuro tells Bright to go ahead and pilot the Gundam himself. Bright grabs Amuro, pulling him off the bed. And we are treated to the first ever Bright Slap! <laughs> right slap! Amaro! I order you to launch Gundam! Get out there! If it means so much to you, why don't you fly the Gundam? If I knew how to fly it, I'd be out there in a minute and you know it! What's wrong with you? You can beat me up and threaten to court-martial me, but you can't make me go into combat against my will. If you don't like that, too bad. Wake up! Ugh. We're in a war, Amaro, and we don't have time for a philosophical debate! I'm not being philosophical, actually. I'm just flat out afraid. Oh, yeah! I'll give you something to be afraid of. You settle everything with violence? Stop it, sir! Why? We don't have any witnesses. He must be in shock, and I've heard a slap can sometimes bring a traumatized victim out of it. Oh, really? Better try again. I'm still not convinced. <laughs> you may be an officer, but I won't just stand here and take this. Oh, was that a challenge? I advise you think about that twice, because I might take you up on it. I won't go back into combat. You'll just have to train somebody else to fly Gundam for you. Oh, is that so? Listen here. I've never known you to be a whiner, Amaro, so get over it. I demand to know what you think you're doing. I was wondering what it is you're fighting for, Mr. Bright. This is not the time to get philosophical on me, Amaro. Stand up this instant. Hey, why don't you leave me alone? If you're so eager to send Gundam into battle again, why not pilot it yourself? What? I'd do it if I could. I don't need a kid to tell me how I should do my job. Yeah, well, I don't see why I have to do something just because I can. You shouldn't have hit me. Mr. Bright! What's wrong with hitting you? You're a selfish brat. We've been catering to your tantrums, and it's going to stop now. I'm not! 
I'm not the person you make me out to be. Aren't you excited? We're we're finally encountering the meme of all Gundam memes for Bright Slap. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I ask you guys something? Because like, I remember how I felt about this scene when I watched it back in 2001, and now watching it now, like 16 some years later, like I kind of I kind of feel different about this whole Amaro thing. I guess because I was a lot younger, like I was 18 when I watched this for the first time. Like I I think I was more on Amaro's side. But now like watching it again, I guess where I'm, you know, I'm like 34 now. I'm kind of like, you know, I I get what Amaro's saying, but he goes about it in such a like, you know, a kid way, you know, being all mopey and kind of whining and stuff that you just you you want to feel sorry for him, like you want to be sympathetic towards him, but he's so whiny. You like when Bryce slaps him, you're kind of like, yeah, slap him around, like not some sense into him. Yeah, I, I mean, I I can see how you can come full circle with this kind of sequence because it, it, it's weird because Amaro's the protagonist, so you're you're naturally inclined to identify with him, and so if you put yourself in his shoes, right, like if somebody started smacking you around you you would basically be irate with them you know i mean but but then there is that notion of kind of like putting those those feelings of those feelings of pride and discontentment aside for like sort of the greater good of the the ship and the crew and that kind of thing i mean he he eventually comes to it but but there is that portion of like dude have somebody else do this stuff man like this is I'm tired, like, you know, why does it always got to be me? You know, like that kind of thing. And, and, and like, there's, there's things that I can relate to. I mean, even not being, you know, you know, come, come, I'm, I'm coming up on 40, you know, like, so it's like, you know, it's like one of those things where you're like, look, I'm not, I'm not 18. I'm not 16. I'm not a kid, but I've lived through it. But I, I think everybody has those feelings sometimes where they're, they're overburdened and and have a lot of pressure on them and everything and and Amaro's definitely in that frontline high pressure scenario where you know everybody's looking to him everybody's depending on him so you can see why you know it's like he hasn't had a chance to sleep or breathe or do anything you know to, from his perspective and it's probably true it's like even when you get a chance to sleep it's like well you're in this heightened state all the time i mean you know it's like one of those things where you, you know you you hear stories you know where people are you know, in the middle of a battlefield and stuff like that. And it's like, do they really sleep or do they, you know, quote unquote, sleep with one eye open, you know? And it's like, when you do that for a long enough amount of time, I mean, that's going to take its toll on you and you're going to be exhausted and paranoid and, and all these kind of maybe negative traits that a protagonist is exhibiting in this real robot anime, you know, where you're like, hey, you know, like, I maybe I'm not, a selfless person in this situation, you know, because he's finally had enough where he's like, he's like, are you going to promise me? I'm going to get some fucking sleep. And Bright's like, promise you, you know, like, like, it's like that. That's when, you know, from that older perspective, you're like, I can't promise you shit, dude. Like, you know, like <laughs> this is real fucking life, man. Like, you know, you, you can't promise anybody shit, you know? So it's like, and, and, and maybe not being, as young, you know, like you can remember being in that state of mind when you were a kid and you thought, well, that's not fair. And then somebody being like, well, guess what? 
life isn't always fair you know like that kind of notion and it's like it's one thing to have that told to you but it's another thing to have a true capacity to understand that you know like to to understand that there are things that are sort of beyond your control yeah i i think the first time around what i missed or maybe it didn't register to me was like the amount of pressure that bright himself is under because you see that at the very beginning because he's like you know he's like oh we we like we really need resupplying we really need like some orders like we need some direction and he's like bright's probably like oh man i got this guy with like his arm and a sling like this asshole is like he's giving me crap too and you know and then all of a sudden you know bright's under so much pressure because like Bright is responsible for the ship and the crew. Well, and 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 even the guy, you know, reads the one who's like, "Fuck this ship! Let's just let's just abandon it," you know. And, and yeah. he's kind of like, "Wait, what? Like, what's you know, what have we been busting our ass this whole time for?" You know. Yeah. Yeah, like I I was kind of I love that one shot, which is my avatar, like Reed yelling at Bright from behind, and Bright's just got his like teeth gritted, like, "Oh, got to deal with this asshole!" Like. For one more episode. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the other thing that, that since I keep going back, so I was trying to make a note of all the stuff that happened in the movie dub. I, one thing I thought was interesting is is in the movie dub, like the difference between either the, the Japanese or the, you know, the, the ocean group dub is Amaro obviously is a lot more kind of sardonic in that but it's it's interesting that he like the dialogue in that he keeps talking about how he can't fight because he's a coward 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 you know and and it's like it's 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 a funny way for him to kind of espouse like i don't know if he really thinks he's a coward or or if he's just kind of you you know how like you get in those states where you you become self-deprecating, you know, because of the kind of pressure that Amaro's under. So it's like, you're just like, oh, I can't do it, man. I can't, you know? And 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 maybe that's a, a symptom of that. He's like, oh, I can't fight. I'm just a coward, coward, coward. You know, like, that's that's basically kind of how he he says that in the, the, the movie dub and everything. And, you know, and, and like, and, you know, of course, Bright, you know, he's like, he's like, you know, in the movie dub, he's like, He's like, um, you're afraid? Well, I'll give you something to be afraid of. You know, he's like, I'll fucking slap you, you know, or whatever. Isn't, isn't, I remember seeing some of that scene. Isn't, like, doesn't Bright also say, like, he tries to justify slapping him where he's like, I've heard that, like, you know, trauma victims can sometimes be shaken well, out of it by he, slapping them. He, like, he, he basically says, well, nobody else is here. Like, so who's to say who slapped who and all this other shit. And, he's, and then, yeah, he does go into, you know, I've heard sometimes a good slap can wake people the fuck up you know so you know he's like i'm doing this for your own good you know basically so yeah i mean it's funny because because you you can you can see the difference i think between bright and other characters i think that's why maybe it's a meme and it's respected because one you have the aspect what you're talking about bright's obviously dealing with his own set of pressures and responsibilities and everything but he ends the conversation you know basically saying that he's kind of disappointed in Amaro but it's almost like you know turning a negative into a positive because he's like look man I thought you were going to suppress Char like I thought you were a talented pilot and now you've 
kind of turned into this, you know, uh, you know, I guess Frau Bo calls him pathetic, you know, like, and, and Bright's just like, look, man, you're a disappointment, you know, like, I, I thought you were better than this, you know, and, and so there is that sense of that underlining positivity, like, you know, you, you have talent, you could, you, you know, basically do something with this unit and suit and everything, but you're throwing it away. So, so there, there is that notion that even though Bright's smacking him around, it's, it's, there, there's something, to me, it's like, there's something that, Bright's actions come from a good place, whereas, like, you know, there, there are other characters, you know, much later in Zeta, you know, where people, like, smack people around and everything, like, Camille in particular gets smacked around a lot, where, you know, you're just like, you know, like, this guy is just a straight-up asshole. You know, it's not it's not from a good place or a place of I'm going to discipline you because I love you or something like that. It's like it's like some of those people are just straight up, you know, negative reinforcement, you know. But but I think I think this is a little different. I'm Captain Benjamin Sisko. Welcome to Deep Space Nine. Red alert. All crew members report to battle stations. Red alert. Shields up. Machines. You're startling officers. Now start acting like it. Oh, it's just Garrett. Plain, simple Garrett. Dax, we might have just discovered the first stable wormhole known to exist. The wormhole does bring them our way, doesn't it? Everyone wants a piece of the new frontier. It's what you to become a leading center of commerce and of scientific exploration. Starfish. One of our most important posts. Quite a motley crew you've assembled here, Benji. Listen to The Prophets, a Deep Space Nine podcast. And here are your hosts, Andrew Leyland and Paul Spataro. Bloody hell. Oh, I love a woman in uniform. Only on TwoTrueFreaks.com. By the time of the bright slap, we shall cut to the commercial break and everything. And then when we when we come back, we've got Ryu, Hayato, and Kai, and they're trying to hold back the Dop fighters, but they're actually running low on ammo, kind of like we were talking about with all the pressures that Bright's facing. You know, one of them is the ship's definitely getting low on supplies. And Garma actually thinks that the Gundam can't be launched because he's thinking, look, all these other units are out there on the battlefield, but they still haven't launched the Gundam. So he's like, there must be some kind of problem. And he basically says to Char and his men, you know, look, just watch, don't engage, I'm going to handle this. And while Garma's units fire on the white base's engines, we've got Kai out there in the gun cannon who's trying to defend the white base from those attacks. And, you know, Bright's basically continuing to kind of slap around Amuro, and this kind of goes into what we were talking about a little earlier. He's telling him, look, you got to shape up and grow up if you want to survive. And, you know, Amuro has, you know, I mean, you know, we can see both sides of the scenario because Amuro's kind of pissed off, you know, at being smacked around and everything. But then he, he kind of goes into the, the whole selfish mode where he says look I'm never going to pilot the Gundam again if you treat me like this and you know it's funny because both Frau Bo and Bright kind of 
I mean, they're, it doesn't even matter which dub it is or anything. They say some really, to me, like, really nasty things, you know? That, and, and I don't know if that's out of a place of love, but it's like, I guess, I guess you have to have a tough skin in this scenario no matter what. So if you can't handle a few, you know, bad mouth words, then you're probably not going to be able to survive, you know wartime scenario you know what i mean like if basically you're gonna curl up in a ball because you know your your next door neighbor girl calls you pathetic baby or whatever you know what i mean like depending on what version of the dub you watch she either calls him pathetic or, or calls him a whiner you know like things like that and and you know th those those kind of you know or or she basically in the in the regular dub you know it's kind of like you, you're not a real man you know, like, so it's like that, a lot of those things could be definitely abrasive to, to somebody's ego. I like how, like, the thing that finally snaps Amuro out of it is when Fraubo says, like, I'll go pilot Gundam, and Amuro's like, a woman driver? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> You're a typical woman driver, Jaina! I, I imagine him saying that, like, Magneto saying a wooden gun, you know? A woman Gundam pilot? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So. It's impossible! <laughs> I, I wish there were, like, Gundam what-ifs or Elseworlds or deviations where, like, they could take this moment and, like, Fraubo, like, goes out into the, you know, the battle in the Gundam and, like, she immediately becomes, like, a super new type and, like, you know, defeats everyone, Char included, and wins the war single-handedly, like, I would I would read that. I would love that. Gunpla models that look like uh, Frau Bo or whatever cutesy gunpla <laughs> models and stuff. Yeah. That that can be a, a, a Gundam deviations or whatever. But yeah, I mean that's basically like what what Mike was saying. Like that you know even though Bright's kind of saying oh one you know I thought one day you'd surpass the Red Comet. Like that that kind of gets his attention i mean he he tries to go after bright but bright's already kind of disgusted and leaves and 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 you know that's when frau bow says look there's a manual right like I'll, I'll go out and pilot the gundam and everything and and that's what actually makes amuro reconsider his selfishness you know and, and so he he decides he's gonna head out in the gundam and at this point like sayla tells him like look we're all counting on you and everything and like I, I don't know if if this is just me like if I'm I'm interpreting something like after the fact or whatever but I, I didn't notice this so much in any of the dubs but I really felt like in the Japanese version of this the the, the actress's tone was like more of the you know Sela making out with Amuro in the hangar bay type Sela where she's like we're counting on you, you know? Like, it's like, oh yeah, you are, Sela. Oh yeah, you are. Like, like I, I totally felt like she wanted Amuro's jock in that scene for some reason. But, you know, I don't know if I'm just, you know, look reading into it too much or whatever. But but it, it, it felt like there, there was a little more to that than just, you know, like, we're all counting on you. Like, you know, but that there was some kind of subtext to that moment between them. I could see that. Maybe she was just trying to give him, like, a boost of confidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she, she definitely seems to be, like, that kind of... I, I, I don't know if you'd call it, like, the, the mother hen of the white base or whatever, but, yeah. There's, there's that aspect to her character type. At this point, Char unplugs a key cable for the Gao's communications, 
so that any communication from Garma can't be heard. But at the same time, he's praising Garma's fighting skills to distract from his actual sabotage. Amuro then launches in Gundam and continuously leaps in the air to destroy all the Dop fighters, and he ends up damaging Garma's Dop wing as well, while the gun tank and gun cannon are covering his landings. It's not so much a, a line reading or anything, but the, the movie version, like again, how I said they kind of play with amalgamating like all these battles and it kind of jumps around a bit, it, even though in this episode, Char never leaves the Gao carrier, like, and it's all Garma's fight, pretty much. Like, what's funny is in the movie version, like, these fights are all kind of amalgamated together, so at some point Char does come out in his red Zaku and fight Amuro again. So it's like, they, they kind of jumble up a lot of the, the sequences and everything. And, and some of those have, like, new animation you know, depending on the sequence and everything. In the actual episode, you know, Garma ends up trying to lead the Gundam away from White Base and towards the Gao's firing range. And his whole plan is he's going to try to use the radio, you know, and, and order his men to fire on the Gundam, but of course they can't hear him because, you know, Char's removed the cable. Amuro then ends up being stopped when a Medea supply plane suddenly appears before him and the captain of the ship tells him about the Gao behind the clouds, and she warns him to stay away. And at this point, there's there's a little bit of new animation in the movie version when Miss Matilda shows up. Back at the Gao, Garma finds the plug, blaming DIRT! And that dirty engineer, for the reason it was not working, I'm gonna have that engineer killed as I twirl my hair, my little purple hairlock. Garma accuses Char of leaving him to die, but Char tells him he didn't want to damage Garma's pride, and he placates him by stating he knew Garma's piloting skills would serve him well, and it, it kind of looks like Garma's appeased by this explanation from Char. The Medea's captain, Lieutenant Matilda Ajan, is there to recover the injured refugees, the Salamis crew, and goodbye, Lieutenant Reed, Lieutenant Reed. The white base will not end up being resupplied until they escape from Xeon airspace. And I guess, as my mom would say, Amuro is hit by the Thunderbolt when he sees Miss Matilda. Her thanks and encouragement, as well as a gentle touch from her hand on his shoulder, brighten Amuro's spirits. I think we've all been there one time or another, seeing a, a haughty older woman and just getting some kind of encouragement, romantical or otherwise, you, you take it any way you want, you know? The narrator even makes a point to tell the audience, this is the first time Amuro has known the charms of a woman. As they salute Miss Matilda as she exits the ship, and of course Frau Bo is jealous and sticks her tongue out at Amuro. There's some interesting lines in this where she's of complimenting Amuro and everything, but uh, I think in the Ocean dub, she calls him, she says perhaps he's a psychic, and I think in the, the movie dub, she says something to the effect of, oh, you, you might be an esper. So there's some, you know, basically the same shit, but, you know, a, a rose by any other name would be a new type, type 
deal. And then, you know, basically that's the end of the episode. You know, the next episode is Garma's fate, who will survive? And and I did think it was kind of interesting, again, the, the movie kind of jumps around and stuff in that, that shower sequence that was Char in the shower and Garma, you know, having that conversation with him outside of the shower. Like in the movie, that takes place after this sequence, as opposed to when we talked about it in like I don't know like a couple episodes earlier when the when it actually takes place on the series and stuff but I mean I I enjoyed this episode I mean of course Miss Matilda's a, a pretty prominent character so it's important to see her introduction and everything and of course yeah I mean the Bright's Lap the the most famous Gundam meme on all of the interwebs so I mean all those things are kind of kind of cool things to see I, I really liked uh, Frabo sticking her tongue out at Armoro there at the end. Like that, that, that was really cracking me up. Like I, I, I don't know why. I just kind of like touched my funny bone. <laughs> uh, I liked it. I, I liked this episode too, and it, it's kind of interesting. You know, like I, I guess I'm the Char guy. It's interesting that like at the beginning, Char's like, "Oh, Garmo, like I, I don't think I would go out there if I were you." And of course, Garmo ignores him. But then, of course, Char being Char, like he. He has to like take advantage of the situation, even though it's kind of like a spur of the moment thing or, or something he probably didn't quite plan on, or maybe he probably didn't plan on it going down quite this way. He he's fully prepared to take advantage of the situation. I thought that was pretty interesting. I just I like one of the incidental voices, like the one of the guy, the pilots of the Gao that are like sitting next to Shar. Like he sounded like I don't know, like. And he sounded like a character you'd see like on like C Lab or something like that, where Shara's <laughs> yeah. like, "Well, we better hang right back here, isn't that right, engineer?" And like the 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 Gao engineer is like, "Yes, Commander Char. Like, you know, we will be punished if Garma comes back or something." Like, I don't know. And then Shara's just like, you know, we'll just hand hang back here and you know cheer for Garma. Like Garma, Garma, he's so fine, he's so fine, he blows my mind. Hey, Garma. <laughs> Look at him out there. Captain Garmer sure does have a lot of guts. It wasn't just his father's influence that got him his position as captain. Commander, you think this is all right? Just sitting here and watching like this? Yes, I think so. He said he'd request assistance if he needed it, and we must respect that. It's weird because uh, you know I, I thought that point where the narrator like describes what Armoro's feeling was kind of weird just because I don't know like you get the the narrator like at the beginning of every episode but it's, it seems like it's rare that he ever says something he, he like intrudes. yeah exactly so I I feel like they were just they they were really trying to hit the nail over the head with that like just just in case you were oblivious. Yeah. To, to the notion that, like, Amuro was totally head over heels for Miss Matilda and had this whole, you know, I, I would, I don't know if I'd say Miss Robinson, but, you know, you can, he, he, he's probably 16 and she's, what, like 19 or 21 or something, so he's totally like, you know, to, you know, for him, it's an older woman, you know, like, where it's like, oh, and, 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 
you know, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've had my Miss Matildas over the years, you know, so it's like I totally, you know, I mean, that that's something that, again, I've lived through, you know, it's not something that's going on with me right now, and I can see the, the folly and futility of it all in hindsight as an adult, but, you know, y you, you certainly identified with him as a protagonist, and, and you've all been kind of like a, a wide-eyed puppy dog kind of looking at, you know, uh, somebody who you were sort of head over heels for at some point in your life. So I, I would think that, you know, most people could could pick up on that. But I, I think it's, it, it, I guess they just felt the need to kind of hit it home, <laughs> like where it's like, you know, yeah, oh, in, in case you didn't know, like, you know, it's like, you know, like the whole Drax, like, I was engorged or whatever when I saw Miss Matilda, you know, <laughs> like, just in case you missed it, you know. Narrator was like, and on that day, like, Amaro noticed Miss Matilda's fine ass. Like, it's just... Um, yeah. Amaro's know, nether yeah, regions like... grew three sizes larger that day, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, no, like, I, I, I thought it was cool. I thought it was a... The, the battle itself was another demonstration of just how powerful like the Gundam is where that like it's it's rocket pack can pretty much like, you know, propel it that high in the sky to take on airborne opponents. And, you know, obviously, like the way they just drop the gun cannon and the gun tank onto the field, it's like that's something they can't do. So it's another like demonstration of why the Gundam is so special and powerful. I feel I know you. Do you really? Who knows? Perhaps you're an esper with hidden memories of other lives and other dimensions. Amuro, I believe you may be a psychic. <laughs> oh, not me. Good luck. Thanks. Matilda departs, yet a slight fragrance still lingers in the air. For Amaro, this is the first time he's noticed the charms of a woman. Cool. All right. Well, I, I guess that will wrap up our discussion of the original Mobile Suit Gundam for tonight. And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode of Mobile Suit Mondays, of course, we're going to be continuing our index coverage of the original Mobile Suit Gundam series. We're also going to be looking at episodes of the next season of Gundam Thunderbolt. So look forward to that. And, of course, we've got all kinds of spin-off shows and everything. If you like listening to Mobile Suit Mondays, consider checking out Toku Thursdays, Transformers Tuesdays, Sentai Saturdays, comic books, motherfucker, do you read them? Big in Japan, where we talk about anime, and, of course, the Fanholes podcast proper. And we can be found on Stitcher Radio, where you can stream us. We are on iTunes. We appreciate all the feedback we receive we are on all kinds of social media facebook tumblr twitter instagram we of course appreciate all the likes the shares etc and until the next time this is going to be derek derek wc signing off hey it's mike thunderwing signing off and this is justin and when justin signed off the lingering hint of his manliness continued even long after the podcast had ended. <laughs> and the listeners were struck by thunderbolts of intensity. <laughs>
the dog of the colony howling in the wreckage of a war-torn earth god damn it shut up be great if the narrator had to punctuate like every single scene like that it's like and then char's eye gleamed and he knew that he would soon murder garma and garma's like garma like looks looks up and he's like wait what was that what did the narrator just say and char's like never you mind like what was that last bit about murdering me? Like, what? 